0: To True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this special series, Women's Conference 2023 on Fellowship. This is Stillwater Bible Church's Women's Conference that they held in 2023, and they had several breakout sessions as well as a special guest speaker. We hope that you enjoy these lessons. Thanks again for joining us.
1: First of all, I'd like to introduce my family to you. Some of you know us, some of you know This is us at Christmas time. My husband and D- DJ and I have been married for 30 years, um, and we have 10 children. Um, DJ and I were both born and raised in Kansas, um, but we moved here in Oklahoma- to Oklahoma in April of last year just to be a part of this church. Um, yes, they're all mine. They're both all of ours together. Um, I'm used to being referred to as the mom with all the kids. That actually started when I only had five. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been said, oh, you're that family. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was good or bad. Um, since moving here, I'm Stephen's mom because he <laughs> <it's like it's laughs> to the okay. so, Um I won't go through, all, do you want to go through all the kids. Grace, my oldest is 25, and then it goes down to John, who is 8. So five boys and five girls. Just, I was always amazed oh, that God wow. made it even Honestly. for us. Wow. Um, I don't know how many times I've been told. I tell them I have 10 children and they say, oh, you must be so patient. Um, no, that doesn't mean, <laughs> that's not it. Um, or you super mom. I told someone at a birthday party recently, oh, I have 10 kids, oh, you're, you're my hero. I'm like, you know nothing about me. <laughs> but um, it doesn't mean I'm more patient. It just means I have more opportunities to learn to be patient, yeah, believe me. Um, when Lori asked me to speak, I hesitated to say yes. In fact, I really wrestled with the idea um, because I, I know I have something to share, I just don't know that I feel qualified in some ways because I know the times that I have failed, I know the times that I've responded badly, the times that I haven't been consistent in Bible reading and prayer like I should be. Um, I didn't want me standing up here to say to you that I have it all together because I don't. But God is faithful when we are faithless and um, he continues, despite my failings, he continues to show himself to me, so that's why I'm here today. Um, when Lori and I talked, we also did not talk about who would be the main speaker. Um, I actually found out that out from my dad, who lives in Kansas. Uh, my dad was going through a hard time, so he decided to look up our former pastor and his wife and found out, surprisingly, that they were actually teaching in McPherson, Kansas, which is only 30 minutes away from my dad. So my dad went and visited and visited with Don and Patty, and she's mentioned she was speaking here. And he called me and told me, I'm like, what? We never talked about this. Um, so then I texted Lori and said, how did you know Patty? And, and um, she responded, told me about it, and then she said, actually, I had it on my calendar to call you tomorrow and to see if you had decided if you were willing to teach a breakout session. So it was kind of just like a nudge from God that, yes, I could do this. So um, I hadn't seen Patty in years, in fact, probably since 1991, but Dawn and her were a huge influence in our life. Um, they changed my family's life. I remember taking a class under him, how to find the Hebrew and Greek you know, word and figure out the meaning of a word. Um, he was the first pastor that ever, I ever heard speak about rewards. Um, he also was the pastor that introduced us personally to Zane Hodges, which is really the reason that we are a free grace family. So the title of my talk is Even Though It Is Well, The Four R's of Trusting God in Hard Times. Even though we're going through hard times, it can still be well with us. So let's get started with the first R that I chose, and this, I chose this coming from Psalm 77, 1 through 3. Actually, this is, the slide is 1 through 3, it goes farther on. It says, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes a diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Doesn't it feel that way sometimes, that God's forgotten how to be gracious when we're in the midst of an all-consuming trial? But read on the next verse. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arms redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Asaph, the person that wrote this psalm, was in the middle of trouble. He was feeling like God had forgotten him, that God no longer knew how to be gracious. But his solution was to remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, That word remember in the Hebrew means to be mindful, to recount, or to mark so as to be recognized. So I chose for my first R of what to do in hard times is to recount. We need to take time to recount the answers of prayer we have received in the past and remember what God has done. When I was young, my mom taught me to pray for my future husband. Um, She also had me make a list of things that I was looking for in a husband and pray for those things. Well, I have a list for you on the screen. Um, I made many lists every year. This is one I think I made either like the last year of high school um, or a year after that, and I still have this list at home. I made a slide of it for you. So some of the things on my list were that he would love God with all his heart, he would want to do whatever God wants him to do, that he would be open to teaching, spiritually minded, financially minded, etc. And I prayed about these things regularly from actually pretty little on. But I always added, and you'll see it on my extras down below, I always added, Lord if you could sing. Uh, Music is very important to me, it's a big part of my life, and I really wanted my future husband um, to be able to share that with me. Well, fast forward, I met DJ. Even though I said I would never date DJ, let alone marry him, it's a long story, we ended up dating. Not only did DJ meet every item on my list, he could sing. In fact, he was in a Christian band when we began dating. Um, Not only could he sing, he could write as well. So he wrote me songs when we were dating and sang them to me. Um, He also wrote me poetry. Um, For many years as a gift, since we've been married, he's written poems as a gift for me. He also wrote a poem for each of the kids um, for their birth announcement that we sent out. So God does answer prayers, specific prayers too. So why do I share this? It's important to remember that God does hear and answer our, our prayers. Throughout my talk, I want to share different times that God has answered and heard my prayers to be an encouragement to you. Also, when Asaph in the psalm recounted the things that God had done, specifically when he talked about God leading the Israelites out of bondage, this leads him to praise. And when we take the time to recount God's goodness to us, mm-hmm. it leads us to praise him as well, even when we're in the midst of a trial. This is so important to do as a parent as well. It's very important for your kids to to see where God has answered prayers in the past. Um, I'm trying to come up with a, if you have any ideas, you can share with me. I'm trying to come up with a pretty decorative way where I can list out prayers that God has answered in the past and also add to, so my children can see that and be a reminder. Um, After we moved here, I found this sign at Hobby Lobby. It says, Crazy Blessed. Mm -hmm. And I bought it because I believe it to be true, and I also like the sign. But what I didn't anticipate is the reaction and what it would do for my son, John. He was seven when I bought the sign. And he uh, he latched onto that, and he said, man, we are crazy blessed. I wonder why God has chosen to bless us so much. Well, this enabled us to have lots of conversations of why God blesses us and the ways that God had blessed us in the past. So it does matter. You know, the Israelites were often told to write things on the doorposts. And I think things like this, can be writing it on the doorpost for us. Another answer to prayer, when I was in high school, my dad began praying that he would be able to disciple the man that I married. Now, when he began praying, he had a certain individual in mind who he thought it would be,
0: but he (laughs) continued
1: (laughs) praying. Um, During that time, my dad led a Bible study um, Thursday evenings, and he began discipling a young single college student, DJ. My dad had his prayer answered, not even knowing It at the time that God was answering his prayer as he discipled the man that became my husband. Wow. So the second R that I've chosen is response. What is our response when trials come? I don't know about you, but I'm really usually saying, really? Now I have to do this? Why? Um, I wish I could say my response is always good. Instead, I often have to vent and rage a little bit, and then my response is good. (laughs) Um, I'm working on trying to have the right response at the beginning. But for this, I want to look at 1 Peter 1. In this passage, we'll get the reason for response. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In this you greatly rejoice. I know this idea just sounds impossible. I looked up the Greek word for rejoice and I was a little surprised actually by the meaning. It has the meaning of an act of joy, actually to jump for joy or exalt. This is definitely not the usual response I have to trials. Maybe stomping my feet a little bit, (laughs) not jumping for joy. Also. What does Peter mean when he refers to trials? I used to think that these passages only applied to what we would call a spiritual trial or maybe persecution for our faith. But the Greek word used, according to Gary Derrickson and the Grace New Testament Commentary, is that this is broader than persecutions or antagonistic actions towards Christians. He said this word includes sicknesses, accidents, war, or any other negative experience that we face. So this applies to all of us, in all hard times or trials our response should be jumping for joy (laughs) also in james 1 he says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect to complete lacking nothing the meaning for count here means to consider it or deem it joy to esteem it as joy And the meaning here for joy is a cheerfulness, or a calm delight. I like that idea, a calm delight. I don't know about you, but that's what I want in hard times, is more calmness. So, but how do we make our response be joy? We know that we should, but how do we even try to get to that response? This is where our number three comes in, which is renew. How do we change our focus? How do we prepare ourselves before that trial comes? We do this first by renewing our mind. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <clears throat> Another passage that helps me gain a new perspective is Psalm 139. It says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Hmm. These verses are just amazing to me. I mean, we all know that Christ died for us, that God considers Christ's death on the cross our satisfactory payment. And, you know, that is something that's just amazing, and I know that I should think about it more. It almost becomes old news, which is really sad. But to think that God thinks about me, But his thoughts are more than I can count. That's just amazing. Um, Sometimes in trials, we just have to renew our minds and focus on God. Sometimes all we can do is focus on what we know to be true from scripture, God's character, how he loves us. He created us, he died for us, he's all powerful, and he promised to never leave us. My oldest daughter Grace has experienced many health problems in the past, unexplained health problems. Um, It started about when she was 12. All of a sudden, she experienced a period of time of insomnia. I'm talking severe insomnia, where she didn't sleep at all for five days straight. Um, Not only did she not sleep for five days, and she was very anxious. So DJ and I had to actually take turns staying up with her all night. Um, It was exhausting. Um, I was also pregnant at the time, so it was doubly exhausting. Um, This happened consistently every month. about six months if I remember right. Um, Doctors were at that time were not in the habit of giving out sleeping medications to children. We just really couldn't get any answers. I did finally find a doctor who gave her a sleeping med. She still didn't sleep but she wasn't anxious so she could stay up by herself with us just checking on her. Well the insomnia went went away but then several years later we experienced even a greater challenge. Um, Over a period of about two weeks she went from being a confident talkative teenager my greatest helper, to being crippled by anxiety. Anxiety so severe that she couldn't do her school, she couldn't complete her homework, and she pretty much followed me around all day like a little child asking me questions, the same questions over and over again. We went to doctor after doctor, did lab test after lab test, um, and and this anxiety would last for several months. And then we'd move into a stage where she um, just really had no motivation at all. She wasn't unhappy, she wasn't particularly happy, but she just really didn't care. She didn't have that drive that she usually would have. That would last for months, and then she would be back to herself. <laughs> Everything was great, she was doing well, but then it would come back again, and we'd start over with the anxiety. The anxiety was the worst, because it affected everyone in the family. We would find something, believe me, during this time, we were seeing doctor after doctor, we would find something that we would think would be the fix, only to find out months later that we were in the same situation again during that time the only thing i could do was focus on what i knew to be true about god that he does love me that he does think thoughts toward me and that he is faithful i remember reading the psalms in the evening and just circling all the verses that said god is my strength god is my helper god is my refuge god is my deliverer those verses were such a comfort to me even when there were no answers i have a picture on the screen of the first page of our 2018 album Um, I like to scrapbook. I like to put our pictures together for our kids to have in the future. Um, I also like to tell what God has done in our lives, the good as well as the bad. And in the beginning of 2018, there were many unknowns. Um, My motto, I didn't always do this, but that year I chose a motto for the year. And my motto was Even If, based on the song by Mercy Lee. Um, I wrote in the first page down at the left, Even if we don't find the answers for Grace, Daniel, and Hope's health problems, even if the house doesn't get finished, even if my hope is still in Jesus, and I can still say it is well with my soul. The Mercy Me song says, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it says, I know you're able, and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. You've been faithful, you've been good all my days. Jesus, I will cling to you, come what may. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, give me the strength to be able to say it is well with my soul. You might have noticed earlier that I said Grace, Daniel, and Hope's health problems. Yes, we weren't just dealing with one thing. We had two other pretty major things going on as well, as well as some ongoing financial trials. That was 2018, first page of the album. 2019, I began journaling. This was actually the third page of our album. I wrote again. Just two weeks ago, I made an end page to 2018, rejoicing in God's answers to prayer. One of them being Grace's good health. And now here we are just in January and Grace is experiencing one of the worst times again. It is so hard and it, is, it doesn't seem fair to be doing this again. Just, but despite everything, our hope is in Christ. Without him, I could never make it through. And I still fail so badly in my response to this trial. But despite everything, I can still try to choose to rejoice in the Lord like Habakkuk said. God can be and is still my strength. So 2018 and 2019, we're still talking about the same trial. Actually, though, this began in 2014. And to be honest, we were dealing with this last year in 2022, so eight years. This has been a long trial. But we do finally feel like we have the answers that we needed all those years. But the Habakkuk passage I mentioned here became one of my favorites during those eight years. It says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high heels. Habakkuk is listing the worst possible act- outcome. No fruit, figs, no fruit, no olives, you know, no fields. These are the things that they needed, obviously. Though the worst happen, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. The word rejoice here, again, is a Hebrew word that means to jump for joy. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The word joy, this joy is actually an active word Is that well. It means to spin round under influence of violent emotion, according to Strong's. Mm -hmm. This gives a very clear word picture of how excited we are to be or can be though the worst happened i will be honest when grace's health troubles came back year after year i didn't ever jump for joy when they would begin again i would just feel this heavy weight because i knew unless something changed i had months ahead of hardship however we can rejoice when hard times come because of verse 19. the lord god is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high heels this word strength means a force or a resource or a power God is our source of strength during hard times. Only he can give the strength to deal with severe anxiety, to see your adult daughter become like a child and ask you the same questions over and over again and just be paralyzed with anxiety. He will make my feet like deer's feet. Ron Blue in the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, He will make us so we can bound through trials and climb to heights of triumph. What a picture. That's how I want to get through trials. So as trials come, we should recount God's answers to prayer and his goodness in the past, and we should renew our minds with Scripture and what we know to be true. But besides focusing on God, his power, and his faithfulness, and his thoughts toward us, we can also renew our minds with Scripture about rewards. So going back to 1 Peter chapter 1 again. In this you greatly rejoice, so now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. So this phrase, if need be, in Greek this is a first-class conditional clause. So it says, it assumes that the if is true. So he says, if needed, and Peter is saying, yes, they are needed. This is a necessary part of the believer's experience. So we should jump for joy because trials have a purpose. They can help us grow and mature so that we can receive a well-done, good and faithful servant. And that's where it says, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Also in James 1, which we referred to earlier, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the Testing of your faith produces patience. That word patience there also means endurance. But let endurance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I've often said to friends, um, I know trials are supposed to make me perfect and complete. (laughs) All I'm feeling is weary and worn. Trials are exhausting. But to the end of the passage, if you read on further in James, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And that word temptation there is the same word as trials back in the beginning that we were talking about when he said, Count it all joy. The blessed is the man who endures trials, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There are rewards for how we go through trials. Also in 2 Corinthians 5:10 it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of you may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. Obedience no matter how small is rewarded. Your different response to trials can also make other people's notice and hopefully give you an opportunity to share your faith. When DJ and I got married, we planned to have four kids. Um, He had two older sisters and I had an older brother and I always wanted more siblings, so we decided on four. We went through some fertility issues for a year, but then God began blessing us with babies. Grace was born in 1997, Sarah was born in 1999, Noah came in 2000, and then in 2001 I became pregnant again. Um, I found out we were pregnant right when we were in the moving process. We had just moved to Aletha, which was two hours away from my family, and so I went to my new doctor, my first visit alone, because DJ had to stay home with the three oldest because I didn't have, know anybody there. So we get there, and I find out that this doctor does a sonogram on her first visit. Never had had that happen before, and I say, "Oh, good. We can find out if it's not that it's not twins." Because DJ and I would always joked that we were going to have twins as our last one. My grandpa's a fraternal twin, so that was just something we joked about. Well, she put the wand on my belly, moved it just a minute. <laughs> Clear as day. Twins, <laughs> Daniel and Steven. I think she was a little worried because the tears just started. <laughs> I was upset that it was twins, but um, Grace was three at the time, and um, Sarah was two. And no, it was nine months when I found out. So anyway, so there's the first five. Um, life was crazy. Um, Grace was four years and two months when they were born, and they did have colic. So um, it was a little interesting at the beginning. Well, we were going to have four. We had five. God blessed us with an extra. We decided we were done. Um, In fact, we even joked about, oh, those people that were praying for us to have kids, they can stop now. (laughs) However, um, due to some women that I was learning from and due to some reading the scripture, DJ and I decided that we would let God, um, the children were blessings, and we would let God decide that for us. I'm not telling you that this is something you should do. This is just something that DJ and I decided to do. Um, I wish I could say that that decision was met with happiness from everyone around us, but there were many people that weren't excited for us. Um, there were people close to us that didn't approve at all as we added six, seven, eight, and then later 9 and 10. We, however, are so thankful that we gave that decision to God. But let me continue in James. In James 1, it continues in verse 10. <laughs> let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation or trials, as we talked about before, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promises to those who love him. I really hadn't understood these, these verses well at all, actually, until I began studying for my talk today. Um, I would read the beginning of the passage, see how you're supposed to respond to trials, that you're supposed to count it all joy, read about the lowly brother, and then get to the section about the rich man, really not understand that. Um, Having 10 kids and one income, let's just say there have been many financial trials. And it can seem even harder because we brought this on ourselves. We chose to have this many kids. That's how many people looked at it. So I didn't really feel like I could share my financial trials with very many people. Um, We lived in our last house was a 100-year-old farmhouse. Um, that we added a second story to, but never got completed. When we moved in, we had seven children and there were two bedrooms, one bathroom. We slowly, slowly added bedrooms, and slowly, slowly, that was why the one thing on the slide was, if, even if my house never gets finished, um, we slowly added bedrooms. Um, and we ended up getting it to five bedrooms. Um, we joked that it was climate controlled because it was controlled by the climate upstairs. <laughs> it hadn't been insulated yet, and it only had one bathroom for the top of us. And it still only had one bathroom when we moved just a year ago. But when James says, "Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, James is contrasting the poor man with the rich man. Zane Hodges says (coughs) in the commentary that this exaltation is the trial. He should consider his trial an exaltation. I have a quote on the screen that I want to share with you. Zane says, does not a Christian of low estate in life have enough problems just by virtue of his status? How can such a brother calmly, indeed joyfully, accept the additional trials which often befall him? James' solution is simple. Consider his trials a form of exaltation. That the poor person should glory in his trial. Rejoice that God is paying attention to him and using that trial to bring about growth in his life. Oh, I wish I had understood this more in the past. We were never really poor. We always had a home, we had clothes, we had food to eat, but there were struggles. If I had understood, maybe all those instances of things breaking, doing without, living with one bathroom, would have brought about more maturity in my life because of the proper thoughts about it. What a different response to look at trials as God paying attention to us, ensuring that we have the opportunities to endure and receive the crown of life. The opposite side, for those who are rich, this is a chance to glory in his humiliation, to be reminded of the shortness of life, And how our earthly blessings can be so quickly lost and how those riches don't last forever when we die they're gone so as we go through life and these trials come and they will come because remember Peter said they were needed we can exult in trials we can be joyful in trials we can jump for joy not because of what is happening not because we enjoy the trials but we can jump for joy because of what we have that cannot be taken away our free gift of salvation our growth from trials and the rewards we earn being faithful in trials. Almost 20 years ago now, when my mom was 58, we discovered that she had a brain tumor. Um, Four months later, while recuperating from a surgery that was only a biopsy to figure out what kind of tumor she had, um, she died suddenly in rehab. No chance to say goodbye. In the last six weeks of her life, she hadn't really even known me because of the effects of the surgery. Um, Only 58. Four months ago, in October, my brother died unexpectedly. He called him to stick on work on Monday, and Tuesday he didn't show up, so his office called my nephew. My nephew and my niece raced over to his house to see what was wrong, and he was gone already. Um, He had type 1 diabetes, and and he had been hospitalized two times before for ketoacidosis, but it was still something not, not something we ever expected. He was 51. That isn't supposed to happen. You're not supposed to lose a parent at 58 and a brother at 53. I am 51. I'll be honest. That makes me feel rather short on time. Um, But at times like that, I have to renew my heart with Scripture, my mind with Scripture, what I know to be true. I also have to remember that I don't know the big picture. I don't know what God's plan is. This is when you also have to focus on the reality of eternity. This life on earth is short. It doesn't feel like it, though, because this is all we've ever known. It seems like it'll go on forever. But we need to remember that this life is like one grain of sand compared to all the sand in the ocean. I, you know, I'd rather have my brother here. I had plans. I especially had plans once we finally got settled, and, and how I was going to spend time together with him, especially as we grew older. But he is enjoying the wonders of heaven, and I will get to spend eternity with him. I don't know why God called my brother David home early. Um, he had experienced a lot of hardship in his life. Maybe it was because it was time for him to finally have peace. Um, sometimes, you know, there are benefits on earth. Um, I don't know necessarily what those are, but I do know that one of his coworkers workers and her family are now attending church because of the effect that David had on their lives and because he was gone so suddenly. So, the last R is relate. It is so important that we have fellow believers to walk with through our trials. As I said earlier, our family moved here in April of last year and we've been without a church for five years. The church that we had been attending closed down in 2017, and it was a very small church. We were pretty much half the congregation. Um, Most of the time in the church, there hadn't been any other kids either than ours. So we began listing out all the churches in the area within an hour, and later we extended it to an hour and a half, and so on. And we'd look at the doctrinal statements online. We eliminated a bunch that way, and then we would go visit. But after a year had gone by, we still didn't have a church to attend because they would say they were salvation by faith alone. But they always added something. You'd stay long enough. I remember one church, we made it five Sundays, And then we all started to look at each other in the middle of the sermon. And it was, it was a very frustrating. It was very discouraging. So we began thinking that we would need to move to find a church. So we began talking about Texas because we knew there were a lot of free grace churches in Texas. So we went to the GES convention um, in April of 2018. And my husband reminded me last night um, that before we went to that convention, he prayed with us as a family. The kids didn't remember either, but he prayed that God would do something awesome. Well, we went to this convention because we felt it was important that we find a free grace church because our kids were getting older, and we wanted them and thought it was mandatory that they had free grace spouses. So I met an older couple at convention, Chuck McCarthy's from actually from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and I was telling him, I said, we're considering moving. And I'll never forget, he said, it's a worthy goal. What you're doing is worthy. It's worth it to move for a church. And so that was so encouraging. He said, I I have you come to mine, but it's too little. It's like what you have. There's only one family. He said, you really should go to JB's church. So we met JB and Jean that weekend. And then that was like a Thursday. We came home, we packed the kids up. On Sunday, we drove the three hours, and we visited church. I'll be honest, we had two kids that were not excited about visiting here. We were moving to Texas. I mean, we had a Texas flag up in the kitchen. (laughs) We were were ready. So we met JB in the morning before church, went to church. Of course, like JB does every Sunday, it was a very clear gospel message. Mm -hmm. We laughed, talked to him on the way out. We're driving out of the parking lot, and the two that weren't happy, we can go here. It was unanimous. It only took one Sunday of JB. It's important not to do it alone. We need each other for encouragement. I have a friend, Janet, who has nine children. We've been close friends for about 18 years. We've gone through many things over the years. Um, financial hardships, births of babies where we watch each other's kids, miscarriages, loss of family members, and then things like broken washers and sicknesses over and over and over, and all those little things that are so, so big. When tough ki- times come, I know that I can call Janet and I can vent and I can tell her everything that's going on, And she will listen and she will commiserate, but she'll never let me stay in that stage. She always encourages me that God is faithful and points me back to him. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. But this only works if you're willing to share real struggles, if you're willing to risk letting yourself be known, whether it's sharing about the trial or what you're struggling with, with your attitude, anger, whatever it is. I'm not suggesting that you share your trials, your struggles with everyone. That wouldn't be wise, but it's so important to have at least one good friend that you can share the nitty gritty details. I also have a group of friends, well, you know, it's, like two, it's been two and three people over the years. We called ourselves a Mom's Night Out group. Um, we'd meet about every other Tuesday in the evening, and we just got together and we talked. We shared our struggles as moms, but we prayed for each other in the week, and we'd email each other during the week to update. Hey, this is what's going on, I need prayer. That group has prayed me through so many things. Having a good friend or more makes a huge difference, but it's also important to be part of a church body where you're under good teaching continually. I told you that we decided to move here to Oklahoma to attend this church in 2018. Well, it took until 2021, three years, for DJ to get a job in Oklahoma. For perspective, when we decided to move, John was three and a half. When we moved, he was seven. Why? I mean, we were wanting to move for a godly thing, for a church. That was another trial. I still don't really know why it took so long to find a job. Maybe it was so that every one of our kids really appreciates being part of a church and how important it is to have a church that preaches a clear gospel message. Whatever the reason, it was a very long wait. Um, But when it happened, it was a very obvious God answer to prayer. DJ applied at a job in Oklahoma City, and after about a week of communicating back and forth, he was called and offered the job. Thirty minutes later, Stephen was called and offered a job by Ditchwitch. That that enabled Stephen to get an apartment here in Stillwater, and he began to attend church here, and DJ was able to live with him three days a week and work in Oklahoma City and then come home and work on the house and work there too. I have to say that it's amazing to be a part of this body of believers. Y'all don't know how blessed you are. Um, In April, after we uh, we moved here in April, and then we were able to, some of us worked in VBS. That was our first opportunity to serve here. I can't tell you how many times I almost started just bawling during VBS, either in the morning um, training session with Brandy or in the Indian gathering time, because it's just so amazing to be part of a body that shares the correct gospel. And we are blessed with amazing leadership in this church. Um, we are. This past Christmas, we were in the process of finally selling our house. So we moved here in April, but April through September was spent going back fixing up the house, because remember, there was a lot to be done. Well, so we're here, we're in Oklahoma. My kids are attending church, but DJ and I are still in Kansas. That was difficult. But we finally had a contract in, and, but it kept being postponed. Well, let me tell you, having two houses with two mortgages, two yes. electric bills, mm-hmm. two everything, and my one son was still living back there at the house, it wasn't easy, especially because the market was starting to slow down. So we finally we experienced another postponement. It was discouraging. And the next morning, Sarah went out to the mailbox um, to take some letters out, And there was an envelope in there that didn't have an address, nothing on it. So she thought one of her younger siblings must have written a letter and then forgot to address it, so she brought it back into the house. And she opened it up, and there was just a very simple card. It said Merry Christmas, and there was a $100 bill. Someone from this church, maybe one of you, did that. I can't tell you how encouraging that was to everybody. Um, I texted my husband, who was at work, and said, I feel seen. Not that I I know God sees me all the time, but sometimes it's really nice to have tangible evidence. Um, His response was like, have we not seen that like a thousand times this past year? Uh, And I said, yes, but God still continues to show me, which is just amazing. DJ reminded me that God is crazy about me and thinks about me more times than I can count, like the verses that I talked about earlier, and that he perceives me. I often thought as I planned this that DJ really should be the one giving the talk because in the really hard times, that's when he just seems to keep his perspective much better than I do. Oh, I forgot to show the picture. This is when we finally got moved here. Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us in our trials so that we can comfort others. I think this goes back to the first R of recounting. We can comfort others by sharing how God has worked in our lives in our trials. As Dwight Hunt mentions, suffering produces companionship with others who are also suffering. Sometimes it feels like God answers everyone else's prayers but mine. Um, I felt that way, especially when we, you know, we decided on a church and we weren't finding a job. Um, I made a pillow. You know, We had the Texas flag. Well, we needed something in Oklahoma because we were moving to <laughs> Oklahoma, and I was trying to get into quilting. So I quilted this pillow cover that was the shape of Oklahoma, and it said dream. Well, I did that, I think, the first year, and time is passing. I'll be honest. Sometimes I walked in that room, saw my pillow on my bed, and I wanted to burn it. (laughs) 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 But even if my heart's desire is never answered, it is well. My hope is in God alone. As Habakkuk said, yet I will sing of the joy of my salvation. Maybe your life has only been full of hardship. Maybe you've faced what everyone would consider as the worst. But even if everything in life is always horrible, if we have believed in Jesus for eternal life, we have something that can never be taken away. This life is short. We can still say it is well. Writing this and organizing my thoughts has actually been very helpful for me. Of course, I love lists. So sometimes the little things though can be actually harder than the big things. Small little things that, you know, small sicknesses, small financial trials, especially when they keep piling one on top of each other. But I've had this list of ours now that come to my mind uh, since I started writing this in December. And it has helped me to start recounting, renewing my focus instead of just getting upset. I still have a long ways to go, as I'm sure my kids and DJ can attest to. But when I start recounting God's answers and God's faithfulness right away, my perspective changes. And I'm reminded that I'm not alone in this. Um, When we found the house that we ended up buying here in Oklahoma, We had a long day of going back and forth with the realtors um, because there were three other offers on the house. And that was when the market was crazy here. Um, I would find a house online that I would be interested in. And before I even had a chance to talk to DJ about it, whether we wanted to see it, it showed pending. It was so discouraging. Well, we did actually get to see this house, and we put our offer in, and then it was a waiting. It was a Sunday. Um, Some of my kids were here with you, and the rest of us were watching online um, at home. And the song that Sunday morning, Part of worship was the goodness of God, which she mm-hmm. actually, actually played today. Um, the words of that song really just stuck with me to that day. And I even texted that to some people who were praying for us that we would get that house. And I said, All my life, is, God has been faithful. Even if we don't get this house, I will still sing of the goodness of God. Well, we did get the house. It was an amazing answer to prayer. And there's, I want to go into all the reasons why it was so obvious a God thing. Fast forward to losing my brother, planning the service with my niece Anna, she said she didn't know for sure what she wanted for the service, but she wanted the song, The Goodness of God. We have had so much in the past year and even in the last five weeks. I had sinus surgery, sinus um, surgery, I had to remove the bones um, so that I would not have a polyp come back because it can come back as cancer. Recovery has not been easy. A lot more pain than I expected, lots of medicines, a lot of side effects for medicines. Um, It's not been an easy time. One of my children who has epilepsy came close to having a seizure again, so we're having to change some things there. My youngest son, John, is struggling with anxiety because about six weeks or so ago, he said, oh, Uncle David died of old age. I said, no, um, he didn't die of old age. He was only a few years older than me. Wow. Then he started worrying that he was going to lose me. And that anxiety has just morphed into worrying about worrying. It's hard to watch your children suffer. Um, Two weeks ago, I was sitting, thinking through the hours of my talk, because it was all weighing on me, these things that we were going through. And I asked DJ, how do we help him? Because I realized that God won't necessarily take away his anxiety, but I also know that God doesn't want him to be anxious. So what do we do? Um, DJ's reply, we must remind him that God is on his side, that God will never leave him, that God is trustworthy. We remind him of God's faithfulness. Sound familiar? Recount and renew. And Relate came up as well when I shared our struggles with Brandy and she hopefully gave us some tips that will hopefully help. We've been through a lot, long lasting health problems, epilepsy, miscarriage, death of loved ones, and just the normal trials that come our way. Many times, many at once, probably just due largely to the number of people we have in our family too. But it has been a good life. And I know that we can expect more trials because those trials are needed. But I will choose to recount God's goodness and renew my mind that God is faithful and trustworthy and good. We can relate and share with each other and encourage each other and hopefully respond correctly so that someday we may hear, well done. No matter what we go through, God is able, faithful. All my life he has been faithful. All my life he has been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God.
0: Well, that's all for True to the Bible Podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible Podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope hear from you soon.